It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Belinda Adams has such an inspiring story of giving even while going through a hard time. Even though she has just gone through a rough diagnosis and surgery, she continues to do for others as much as she can. Thank you, Jane Mitchell, for introducing me to Belinda. Belinda, thank you so much for joining me on A Quilter's Life. So glad to have you. Well, I'm glad to be here with you, Paula. It's a privilege to get to talk to you and share some of my experiences. I'm so excited to hear what you have to say. Let's start with where were you born and raised? I was born in Birmingham, Alabama. I was raised in Blanche, Tennessee, just a little community. I wouldn't even call it a city. It was a rural area, and we were just a little community there. I also went to a small school, which was Blanche School, and that was when the schools were first integrated. So, you know, it's like history to experience that part of history. But I was a family of seven. My dad worked. My mother took care of the children. And it was different back then. Money wasn't the most important thing. Friendship was. And just visiting with our friends, uh, they would come spend the night with us. Or they would come, we'd have a chicken stew. We'd play with the other kids. It was a wonderful time. That sounds like a wonderful childhood. Well, it was also an opportunity at Christmas. The max that our mother and dad were able to spend was $10. But we looked forward to that Christmas every year because you didn't get the gifts during the year. You waited for Christmas, and that $10 took a lot of thought (laughs) into what you wanted. So it was a big event. We gathered together with friends, and we even had a representative from the community who was Santa, and he had all of our toys in his big bag, and he handed those toys out. They had our names on them. So he handed those toys out. So that was just amazing. That was just magical to us. How fun. That does sound very, very magical. Well, he made it that way. He spent a lot of his time getting ready for that time of the year, but it was a joy to him also. Do you have any other childhood memories you wanted to share? My dad had a little grocery store, and it was part of our house. And I can remember as a child, there were little planks on the front porch that you could see in between those planks. And I remember as a small child going out and looking through those planks and seeing these kisses, the little candy kisses, and they were in packages of like four, a little taffy candy. And I would go out there and I'd look through these cracks and I'd see all these kisses under the porch there. So I would get those kisses out and I was just excited because I would eat those kisses and I thought, well, I just don't understand why these kisses are already here and I get to do this every day. And it wasn't until years later that I found out that one of the men in the community would come out there and drop kisses 
down in those little cracks because he knew that I would go back and look for those kisses. <laughs> so that was a kind thing to do, a time when people cared about other people. And that was one of my good memories. Another memory, we lived within walking distance of our church. And my mother and daddy couldn't afford piano lessons. So I had an uncle who paid for me to have piano lessons. And I would walk up that hill and I would practice the piano in the church. And that was special because she's going there and the acoustics were great. And you're all alone and you're practicing the piano. But that's the way I learned to play the piano. And my uncle was such a part of that. He didn't have any children. So he just wanted to give. And he wanted me to be part of that church as far as being the pianist because they didn't always have a piano. So <laughs> that was something I enjoyed and something I'll always remember. Do you still have the opportunity to play the piano? I did play for many years in the church. I don't now. I have a clavinova here at home and I do practice on it. So my eyesight's not great. Had some issues with it over the years. And we have a church now that's so much larger than that little small church that we went to when we were children that we have four or five pianists, and a lot of them are young people that really want to do that. And so it's just worked out so that we have a lot of more talented pianists to play for us now. That is so neat that. Not only did you get to learn and had the privilege of learning, but you got to use that. Yeah, that was important to me. And that was the only kind of music I played most of my life. And I have a few books now that are country western. And that's really new to me because all I ever played was out of the Baptist hymnal. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a little difficult for me to even try to learn a different style of music. Yeah. But I have loved music. That's a love of mine that I'll always have. But as far as sewing and all that, before I ever got into sewing, I worked a long time. I worked 30 years for doctors in the hospital. I wasn't a nurse, just a receptionist or an assistant, whatever they needed, and then went to work for the school system. For 19 years, I worked for the school system as an IT person. And that opened a lot of doors to me that I never imagined when I got into sewing because so many machines are computerized now. Just kind of fell back into that because I had an aunt when I was young who could sew anything just by looking at it, didn't have to have a pattern. And she made a very special leather skirt for me. When that was a popular thing back in probably the 60s or maybe 70s. But that leather skirt was just a simple A-line skirt. And I loved it probably more than anything that anyone had given me. But it sure got a lot of wear. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when you were working the IT in the school system, was that an elementary school or the high school or the whole system? I worked in all of the schools in the system. I would work in the summer sometime. I'd go into each school and we did inventory or we corrected the wiring. 
But the last several years, I worked at high school and then I built an elementary school and I transferred over to the elementary school. It was a smaller school and didn't have quite as many computers to take care of. And I really enjoyed working with those children and miss those children and I miss the people I worked with. I just made a lot of good friends that I still hear from real often. Mm -hmm. That was an exciting time when the computers came into the schools. Yes, and I remember the first computers that I saw in the school system were the old Apple computers. And then when I came to the first high school, the computers were still in a box because no one knew how to set them up and not many of them had used computers. So that was actually the first time that teachers ever had computers in the classroom and that students had an opportunity to use computers in the school. So it was an exciting time. Mm-hmm. When you decided to work in the schools, do you know what your thought process was and why you decided to do that? I did that because of my children. I knew that it would enable me to have time with them. There was no way I could work the long hours I was working and be with them during their sporting events or just special times when parents were allowed to go to the schools. And they were more important to me than any job that I ever had or was ever offered. And when I got that opportunity, I just took advantage of it. Yes, spending time with our kids, we'll never regret that. No, I don't think so. I think that's something that so many young mothers don't realize now. They think money's the most important thing, but really the kids want time. And they want to be with their families and their parents, and they want to feel like they've got someone there. And I just had an opportunity to go to work with the government a few times. And the money just wasn't the issue there. It was not something that I regret that I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. You told me where you were born and raised, but where do you live now? And how did you get there from where you were born and raised? I live in a little city, Ardmore, Alabama. And this is really only six miles from where I was raised. But I, of course, met a young man from Ardmore. We ended up building a house. After many years, we weren't able to build a house when we first got married. We went to Houston, Texas and lived a couple of years because that's when the big boom was in Texas. He worked for a company as a draftsman related to the oil wells and things like that that they were drilling in Texas. So we lived there, and then after a couple of years, I got pregnant, and I wanted to be home. I just wanted to raise my baby at home. And at that time, my father was real sick. My father had heart issues, and he died when he was 56. And I knew that if I didn't get back home, I wasn't going to be able to spend a lot of time with my dad. He was able to transfer to a job near here, which is at Redstone Arsenal, involved in the missile system and all of that. But he started out making very little, but he stayed with that position until he retired. 
and he took off for a few days, as a matter of fact, a weekend, and then went to work again. <laughs> so he's still working. But that's how I ended up being in Ardmore, Alabama, because my husband lived here, and we built a house on some land that his dad had. A lot of people back then, their parents gave them a little spot to build a house, and we're still there. It's so neat to be on family land. Yeah, I wouldn't take anything for it. It's home to us. Mm-hmm. Belinda, is there anything that you want to share that you would like your family to hear? I want my family to know that we've been through some rough times in our life, but those rough times are what makes us who we are. And those times are the times that we can use to help others. And I think God plans it that way. I found out in November that I had breast cancer. That wasn't something I was expecting. But when I found that out, my first answer was that God knew about it before the time I was born. And he had a plan for me during all that time and during this time. So. I haven't been depressed about it. I've tried to encourage my children and other people by letting them know that God does know everything about us. So he's going to take care of us. So that's the main thing I have tried to instill in my children. And that the most important thing in their life is God. Doesn't matter what our hobbies are, what our children do what kind of things we go through in our life. My son lost a baby a few years ago, and that was a terrible time in his life and our lives. But all of that God knows about, and he has a plan for. Mm -hmm. We do have some dark days, but always knowing that the Lord has the sun come up in the morning has been a comfort to me, knowing he has it all under control. That's right. If we had control of it, who knows what would happen. <laughs> That's the way I feel about it. If it was my decision, I don't know. But many times, I mean, I've relied on God my entire life. And my kids, when they were young, I thought, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? <laughs> but it's all worked out. And I'm very proud of my children. They've worked hard. My daughter was a cosmetologist and put herself through college, and now she's an engineer, and my son is an engineer. And then my youngest son works at a retail store, and he works hard, and I'm just as proud of him as I am the other two. (laughs) He didn't get his college education, but he's happy with what he's doing, and he works hard, so I'm very proud of him also. Mm Mm-hmm. And the Lord puts us where we're supposed to be, and we're not all supposed to be in the same place. No, we've got different personalities, and God uses those personalities, I believe, in our lives for different reasons, whether it's to reach others or to be an example. But, yeah, I do think that we're supposed to be different. Mm -hmm. Well, besides quilting, are there other crafts that you do? I do enjoy embroidery. Of course, that can be used in quilting, but I love doing baby things. Of course, a lot of that came along because 
my children didn't start having babies until they were older. And by that time, I was retired, and that's what I wanted to do is make baby clothes and bibs and all of that stuff that you do for babies. And I still love doing baby things, but I have had an opportunity to, even though I do quilts, to do things for children that have never had a pillowcase with their name on it. We make pillowcase dresses or we do things for little bereavement gowns for babies that just don't make it. And so a friend of mine, I've been able to help her trying to get the word out. She's so talented. I always call her my hero because she's the one that probably encouraged me, still encourages me so much. But she takes the wedding dresses of people who want to donate them and she makes bereavement gowns out of them. So that inspires me. When I see those things, that really inspires me. It's not just a hobby. The quilts are usually for people that are either hospice patients and they're allowed to take them home, whether they take them home or their family takes them home or it drapes their casket when they pass away. I have a brother-in-law that... We really have not expected him to live. He's lived a lot longer than we expected. They had a rare form of cancer. And making a quilt for him, because all he can do pretty much is sit in a recliner all day. He uses that quilt every day. And lap quilts for people like that has been something I've enjoyed doing. It's a personal thing for me had a lot of losses during the COVID time and had another brother-in-law that passed away. But before he passed away, I was able to get a quilt to take home so that when he went for his treatments, he would have that quilt. And I think sometimes we just don't look at all the possibilities of things we can do. Just like the little bead bags that the cancer centers use, the beads of courage, Those are important. Those kids, every time they hit a milestone, they get a bead. And when you make those bags for them, that's to put their beads in. So that's joy for me. That's just a real encouragement and joy. It's gotten me through a lot of difficult times myself physically and still does. I mean, the first thing I wanted to do when I started feeling a little better because I'd had the double mastectomy, and I was just trying to get past, you know, the roughest part of that. But the first thing I wanted to do was get back to my sewing. But I have friends. We have an organization. I guess you could call it organizations. really just a group. We call it the Peacemakers at our church. And it's just mission-oriented. It's to do things like that. It's to make dibs for the nursing home patients. This goes on and on as to what you can do with the quilting and with other things. But main broadly is something I certainly enjoy. Mm-hmm. There are so many things to choose from to do that help others. And that's what gives us real joy. I do enjoy seeing the things that I make, but I get more joy more of a blessing out of knowing what it's doing for someone else. We try to minister to a little orphanage. They have nothing that they can call their own. It's hard to describe 
how much of a blessing it is to do those types of things. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other hobbies? I can't really say that I do. Sewing encompasses my life. Now, I have gotten involved with, I'll buy sewing machines a lot. I do try to keep our peacemaker organization or whatever, our little group. We probably have 12 or 14 sewing machines that we need. And everyone was bringing their own sewing machine. And that was difficult sometimes. But they would bring it in to sew on. And I thought, this is a opportunity for ministry just to be able to maybe give some of those machines that I've purchased at a good price. And I just wanted to give it to our group so that they didn't have to bring those in. Make it as easy as possible for them to be able to do the things that that were ministry to others. It's not something I share with a lot of people because it's a joy for me. And when I get a thank you, I just tell them just to thank the Lord because it's just what he has instilled in me. It's something that he has given me that, that I enjoy doing. <laughs> I enjoy it as much as they do. So I'm assuming the Lord has just brought these sewing machines across your path in a unique way? Yes. Many times, I can think of at least five times during these years where someone has lost their wife and they know nothing about sewing machines and they don't want to keep them because they're just sitting in a room. So they're pretty lost with it. More than once, I've just bought the whole sewing room. I bought the material and I bought the thread and the sewing machines they had. And, of course, they may just say, well, I just want you to take it out of here and I'll give you this and I'll give you that. Well, that works for me and it works for our group also because whatever I've got is theirs as far as I'm concerned. Whatever they need is theirs and been able to share material and just whatever. I've had people ask, well, how do you get these machines? They're so nice. And I do keep an eye out for them. I want to say I do look on Marketplace and things like that and kind of keep an eye out for stuff. But yeah, I think God just brings people to me and I'm able to share that. And that's just part of it. And what a blessing, because I know it's hard to pack up my machine to take somewhere to do another project somewhere else, and then to bring it home and pick up on my own project, change the thread or, you know, all the things involved in moving your machine. So that would be such a blessing to just be able to go and help. Well, there's been a lot of times when I've been able to go up and help sew at the church. But there's been other times when I felt like I just need to, for whatever reason, I couldn't go up there. I could still do this because when I purchase something like that, it's delivered to my house and then I can share it with them. So it's just a marriage made in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) It's just something that I feel like my life would be so different. If I didn't have this as part of my life, I've met wonderful people. 
you see a side of people that you didn't realize was even there. The most giving people, unselfish people, and it starts with a quilt. Mm-hmm. And just the pieces of a quilt is just like the pieces of a puzzle or the pieces of this little group. When it all comes together, it makes something really beautiful. That is so neat. I have a hobby of collecting featherweights. I have over 15 featherweights also. (laughs) That too was something that I was interested in because everyone had a sewing machine at some point in the past. And when you look back, those sewing machines remind me of the fact that their clothes were made by those sewing machines and those sewing machines still work. That's amazing to me that they made something back then that was made for durability and they still sew. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good about featherweights. Now, did you have one to begin with that you always had or did you just start collecting them? I just started collecting them. My very first antique machine was a red eye at a singer, and it was a beautiful machine. And a friend of mine that I worked with her, and this was her husband, he fixed that machine up and he gave it to me. That was the beginning of my love for the antiques. I bought several antiques here and there, and then the featherweight came along, and that was my baby. I couldn't collect them all, but I did love the featherweights. And, of course, I found out you can have white featherweights, and you can have beige featherweights, (laughs) all of that. But I finally said, I'm going to have a shelf built in my kitchen, and when I fill that shelf up, I won't buy any more featherweights. (laughs) I've tried really hard not to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So I take it your shelf is full? It is full, yes. (laughs) I have had a couple that I've sold because my shelf is full. (laughs) I enjoy this kind of decor. Usually when someone comes in my house, if they know anything about sewing machines, that's one of the first things they notice. Look at all those featherweights. (laughs) (laughs) That is so neat. Can you tell me about Who introduced you to quilting? Actually, my best friend introduced me to quilting. She had always been kind of a seamstress, but she had already started working with the peacemakers. That's the name of her old group. And she encouraged me to go with them sometime. They've also got a little retreat that they go to once a year. They also spend that time working on those projects, the mission projects. And she encouraged me to do it, and so I developed an interest in it. I thought, I can't quilt. There's no way I can quilt. It's just not in me to do that. It looks so complicated. And I found out that most of that is squares and triangles, and, (laughs) you know, it just put together in a certain way that it just looks beautiful. And any of it, to me, looks beautiful. I don't feel like I'm great at it by any stretch of the imagination. But I do see some beautiful quilts, and I do learn from these other people. And a lot of them learned back when there weren't any sewing machines, and they had to quilt by hand. And they talk about those stories. Do you happen to have a favorite quilt? I do. It's not one of the quilts that I have made. It's a quilt that was given to me by a friend that I worked with many years ago. 
but she didn't quilt it. She had another lady quilted it, but it was just the most beautiful quilt. And it was the lavenders and purples, which is some of my favorite colors. And that is probably my favorite quilt. Now, as far as what I've made myself, I have just a quilt that I've made that's pastels. It's something that's squares and triangles, nothing fancy, but it's just those colors that a peaceful type quilt. You know, there's just something about those pastel colors that all fit together. And that's probably my favorite outside of this little purple quilt that someone had given me for my surgery, for my cancer diagnosis, and just to show me that they cared. (laughs) And they knew that I liked quilting. They knew I was into quilting. So that was a special gift, too, that they made a point to give me something that they knew I would enjoy. How thoughtful. It was. Something I'll never forget. Those things are the things you don't forget. When my mother passed away, she died on the weekend. It was very difficult to get the paw. We had to call the florist and just kind of take what they had. But it occurred to me that we could drape her casket with a quilt. And then we put a picture of her when she was younger on her casket. This was also during COVID, so that you had to have graveside services. So we were able to do that and then had a small bunch of flowers to put on the casket. And I just had so many compliments about that, but I just loved it. It just was different. And it was special to me. And I think it's special to others, too, because it kind of lets us know that some things we do, not just because everyone else does it. Sometimes you just need to put your own thoughts into it and do what you think is best and do what makes you feel right about stuff. Not necessarily makes everybody feel good, but it makes you feel like you've done the right thing. Mm -hmm. When you're working on your quilts, is there a tool that you look forward to using or that you're so happy you have? Yes, it is. I have a short attention span, so (laughs) some things that take a long time, I'm not the best at, but I purchased the AccuQuilt, and cutting out those pieces is one of the things I didn't enjoy so much, but the AccuQuilt has made my life so much easier because anything I need, whether it be squares or triangles or, you know, the two-and-a-half-inch strips, All of that is already cut out within a few minutes. And that would have taken me quite some time, and not to mention probably not as accurate as I should be. So they're totally accurate, and then I can sit down and enjoy sewing. So that's probably my number one tool that I've enjoyed. And there's so many steps to our quilting process. Do you have a favorite step that you look forward to, or do you like each step along the way? I like to get that quilt top ready to be quilted. I've done some free motion quilting, and I actually, when I purchased a quilter with the frame, and I loved it and was enjoying it, but it just seems such a waste 
for me just to use that when we had such a need for it with our group because everyone was making quilts and everyone needed to quilt them and you could get so many more quilts quilted with that machine so the lady I call my hero who's always doing something for our group and everyone else I just said take this to your house and keep it there and let's use it for our group but that quilt top is what I like to see I like to see and of course after the bindings on but the process itself it takes me a while to get if I get that block where I feel comfortable with the way it looks of course that's satisfaction too but just getting that whole quilt together to send that final product is, is really nice. Mm-hmm. I call this my fun question. <laughs> Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Describe your worst quilting experience. I've had so many. <laughs> uh, it hasn't been long ago that I was making my son just a simple lap blanket and it was going to use Alabama theme because that's his favorite team and and I thought well I'll just make this maybe half square triangle something like that and I put two rows completely upside down had to tear that out and and still haven't decided how I'm going to put it together because it's just a disaster but I did almost the same thing with my daughter because I've made a lot of quilts and I haven't had this particular problem. It seems like it was limited to my family. But my daughter had just asked for a lap quilt and something that she could just use in her recliner and told me the colors she wanted and the materials she wanted and all of that. And I made the complete quilt and I just thought this this is just terrible. This is awful. I just tore the whole thing apart. And that was it's still in the project case. I have not opened it again. <laughs> I don't even really want to look at it, but I know I need to finish that. <laughs> the early things I felt pretty good about because I was just learning and I didn't know how bad I was. <laughs> <laughs> I think you don't always know how bad you are when you first get started. (laughs) (laughs) Then you look back and you say, wow, that looked terrible, but I didn't know it at the time. (laughs) Someone shared with me that sometimes your quilts just need a timeout, and that's what it sounds like you did with your daughter's quilt. It's just in timeout. I just need to rest. (laughs) I need a rest, and the quilt needs a rest. (laughs) But you think that's going to be a simple project. You know, you go into it thinking it's going to be a simple project, and that ends up being the thing that you have the most trouble with. That's funny. And you take it for granted that it's just going to be a simple thing. And those things are just like in life. You don't ever know what's going to happen. And you just deal with things as it comes. And we can make a whole lot of difference in your life. And I found that out, you know, in November when I found out I had cancer. But at the same time, you're dealt that hand at that time. So you just you just go on and you deal with it. But those quilts have got to be dealt with. <laughs> <laughs> I still got to work on that. 
There are so many different things that we can do to spend our time on. What do you think draws you to making quilts rather than spending your time doing anything else? I just see the good in people. I see people that make sacrifices and I just see the kindness in people. And there's also that need there. And and the fact that those people that receive those things are so grateful because it changes their life too. It makes them realize that somebody cares about them. That just does your heart good. And it's always good. It's always a good feeling. I don't know of another hobby that I could enjoy that much. You know, I like to go thrifting, but that gives me a day's satisfaction. But I don't get the kind of satisfaction I get with these projects. Are you working on a special project right now? I haven't been because of all the doctor's appointments I've had, but I did talk with my friend the other day about the pillowcase project that they're currently doing. And that's my goal to get so many pillowcases finished and then to start on the pillowcase dresses. Because we'll set a goal at a thousand or 500, depending on what we're doing. So we try to meet that goal. And we also every year make a quilt for our youth because they have a little kind of like an auction. It's really more of donation for those quilts. And you'd be surprised. Some people will pay $5,000. It's not for the quilt. It's for the program. But those quilts are something that's real important to that program. So, you know, there's all kinds of things you don't really think about how it can influence, like I say, ministries or just people in general. It's just a good thing. And it reminds us of our grandmothers and the people that quilted. And you look at some of these old quilt tops, and I have some now that I just feel like that you look at those hand stitches and how much time it took for them and realize that that's the only quilts they had was those things that took all that time. But at the same time, they had their little sewing bees and quilting bees, and that had to be lots of fun. I can imagine everybody getting together and doing a little quilting day and it just being lots of fun. Kind of like we do when we get together with our group or when we have that little one-year time of a retreat where we go to do or some of our mission projects together. I kind of imagine it being that way. Mm-hmm. Please share a quilting tip. Don't give up. If you feel like that, it's like I said before, if it's something that you just can't deal with right now, don't give up. You can start on something else or you can make it a goal to finish one block. And if you can get that one block finished and feel good about that one block, then chances are you're going to be able to do several blocks. And then finally, to get a quilt done. But you can't give up. It's not something that is going to be perfect all the time. And even so, even those imperfections, they're important for a quilt because that's what makes that quilt unique. It's something that's personal 
And those mistakes are something that most people won't even notice. Yeah. But that's okay, you know. Belinda, I am so happy that Jane Mitchell told you to contact me. Can you tell me about meeting Jane? Jane came down to buy one of my sewing machines, as a matter of fact. And we just headed off. She was such a sweet person. And we talked about sewing machines. And she actually had asked me a lot of questions about how I got into it. And we discussed some of the things that were going on. And it's hard for me not to get involved in that conversation with whoever. If I sell a sewing machine to someone like that, and she asked me, she said, do you mind if I talk to someone about some of the things that are going on? And I said, well, I don't mind. I don't really feel like I'm the person they need to talk with, but I don't mind. But she was just a precious person. I could tell she didn't tell me a whole lot about her history, but I could just tell she was one of those people that had a good heart, too. So she just wanted to share. Mm-hmm. I had a great time interviewing her, too. Is there anything else you wanted to share or you thought about? There was one thing that really blessed my heart, that my little granddaughter, who's five, and she told her dad, he asked her, said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, I want to be like baby. I want to sew for people. And he said, you do? And she said, yeah, I said, I want to do that for for people so that I can do good things. Well, that just blessed my heart so much. Nothing else had been said. I certainly don't do things for any kind of praise because that's not where I'm at. That's not who I am. But that certainly blessed my heart that she could see that without me having to tell her that. So, Isn't that great? That is so neat. (laughs) It is. Well, Belinda, thank you so much for visiting with me. I so much enjoy this. I have too. This has been very interesting for me and something in your blessing too. I hope you know that. Bye-bye. Thank you. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.